0: Ladies and gentlemen, to our podcast today, this is Coach George Rowling, and I want to tell you one thing, I am fired up, because our guest today is Seth Greenberg, and Seth and and his family and I go back many, many years. Uh, My first scholarship offer at Washington State in 1972 was to Seth's uh, brother, Brad, who uh, came out all the way from New York to Pullman, Washington. And as I always say, Pullman, Washington's not the end of the <laughs> world, but you can see it from there. And he tr- trekked all the way across the country to Pullman, Washington to play for me, and I'll be forever indebted uh, that he, he believed that much in me. But, Seth, let's get fired up and stay fired up. Uh, what do you, where do you see college basketball trending, and, and what are your concerns with it?
1: You know, Coach, the game is so different right now. I, I mean, where it's trending, I think our game is starting to mimic the NBA game. If you think about the four teams in the Final Four, every one of those teams either plays with two point guards mm-hmm. or three guards. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to mimic because of our new rules, because of the freedom of movement, because you can drive it a little bit more. We're starting to mimic what happened in the NBA mm-hmm. when they changed their rules, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is good. I The one thing I have a concern about, in watching the game, I think almost teams are afraid to defend, mm-hmm. to really defend, to get into people, to take people out. But it's been good because the games are more entertaining. There's, you know, the coaches, the players, the officials have all adjusted to the new rules. So I think it's been good for college basketball. I said it in November, I think. I said, we don't have a great team, but we're going to have great games and memorable moments. And I think that's what we've had this year. We've had great games. I mean, right through the conference tournaments to the NCAA tournament. Right here to the Final Four, it's going to be a blast. And,
0: and, and Seth, t- I, I think you make a, a, a tremendous point there. And not only great games, but I think uh, a lot of uh, outstanding coaching, particularly coaching done at the so-called mid-major and low-majors, where guys, uh, where they, they go uh, uh, unrecorded, they go unnoticed, and, and, uh, and we've, we've seen some tremendous coaching in this tournament.
1: Yeah, we have. You know, I look at those guys that have been able to do those things, and, and Coach, you know, because that's what you are. That's kind of what, how I grew up, obviously, having mentors like you. But we have career coaches at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you Kermit Davis, he's a career coach. Yes. I mean, he He's a professional coach. He's a professional teacher. He understands exactly who he is and how he wins. He understands how to build a program. If you look around the country and you see these games, you know, whether it's Ben Jacobson. Right. He's a coach first, mm-hmm. and I think what you're seeing is you're seeing, especially this season, you're seeing my guys on game day joke, I call them invested teams, but you're seeing upper-class teams that are committed to the good of the group, that understand who they are, how they win, understand their roles, and they play to win because really the most important thing is to go to the group and play to win. And and to me it's fun. That's what made has made this tournament so interesting and, and unpredictable. Now – I think it's happening this year. I'm not sure as you look what's going on. This year's freshman class was not at the level, say, years past or even next year's is mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. So what you've seen is you've seen these senior teams all the way up to the Final Four now. You know, you've seen the Buddy Heels. You know, you've seen the Marcus Pages. You know, you've seen uh, the Michael Benegys and the Trevor Coonies. Mm-hmm. You know, as you, as you look at the Final Four, and I'll tell you the other thing you've seen, and, and, and it's funny because the hiring practices of athletic directors is going younger. We see 2,800, I think, 35 wins amongst our Final Four coaches. Wow! We see 160 NCAA tournament wins. We see 17 Final Fours. We see guys that understand how to put together teams. Lon Kruger's got a team. He doesn't even have. He doesn't have a top 100 player on his roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Bayheim, I'm a big Mike Hopkins fan. I think he's going to do a terrific job. But we saw how good Jim Beheim is because when. When Jim wasn't there, the slight little adjustments, the feel of the game, mm-hmm. uh, players to buy into roles and not just playing to play. So you know, Jay Wright cut his teeth, and you know he, you know, Jay Wright, I, I, he's the big, you know, coach. I know it's your alma mater. My daughter's a junior there at Villanova, but like we look at Jay Wright, and we see George Clooney. Mm-hmm. All right, we see all this style. The rea- reality, Jay Wright is a whole lot more substance than style. Yes, he's an old school coach. Mm-hmm. He's a product. Of roley really mean they're physical they're tough they defend they compete so I mean I think we're seeing this final four we're seeing really great coaches that and great teams that really care about each other and have great trust
0: Seth all jobs bring with them unique uh, expectations and pressures and that so how do how do you contrast coaching versus broadcast and and talk to us about that.
1: You know the, the biggest thing, coach, and you've done broadcasting, so you know. And you were so successful as a coach. Look, the pressure for me is, you know, I get upset if I potentially mispronounce someone's name because yeah. you only get you're given a name once. Yeah. Or if and you got more
0: international yeah, kids yeah, now, and, and it
1: becomes harder. Or, you know, to me, I, I'm going to look at the game through the lens of a coach, and that's kind of one of my biggest things with broadcasting. We have too many quote unquote insiders that think they're analysts as opposed to good go research something go find out you know who's transferring go find but unless you've walked in that person's shoes you really don't understand how just so hard it is and like well you know i can put it in one three one zone you might be able to put it in but you can't teach it there's a difference between putting it and teaching it so like in my broadcasting career you know one thing i'm not a coach apologist but i, I do hope i communicate to the listener just really how difficult this thing is and, and the number of different things that go on during the course of a game. And ESPN's given me a great platform, that behind-the-bench stuff that I've done where we actually talking to coaches about what they're trying to get accomplished. Uh, we did the backseat coaches where actually the coaches would talk to us coming timeout, stand out of timeouts, Dan Dockich, myself. But what I'm doing is great. and I am so fortunate and appreciative of what ESPN's been able to do for me. There's no greater high than coaching.
0: And, and to your point... Uh uh, as a coach, you see the behind the bench things in that. The coaches do that because they trust you and they trust Dan, and you guys. You guys are are are, are a part of their brotherhood, and so, uh, and under normal circumstances, over the years, coaches would never allow that. But they they know that you guys understand the game and and are, are going to be fair, and that's all coaches really want in there.
1: Yeah, they do. That's what they want, Coach. But, you know, the one thing you miss when you do broadcasting is, you know, you don't, like, the only person I impact maybe is a gambler. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> I mean like, when you coach, you think about, well, I mean, look, I'm going to use myself. I'm going to use my brother. I'm going to think about all the lives you touch when you coach, mm-hmm. from your players to your staff members mm-hmm. to their children. Mm-hmm. Because, let's face it, if you, if, your impact on your players carries over to their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, the way – they see you help them become men, how you treat your wife, how your your relationship with your kids. they Some of those kids might be seeing that for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get that, the interaction with your staff. You don't get the highs of going into Cameron and stadium winning, going to the Dean Dome and winning. You also don't get the lows of getting beat by a half-court shot. But uh, I'm very, very fortunate to be in a position I'm in. And you know, I, I would be lying if the part of you doesn't miss that impact that you can have because – Coaches make a lot of money right now. Uh, you think about your first job. I don't. I I came
0: four thousand five hundred and seven to <laughs> go to coach, I, head coach or watch this Day. Yeah, and
1: you didn't take that job for money. You didn't no. get into coaching for money. You yeah. get, get got into coaching to to give back. Yeah. And I'm that's the biggest thing with our profession now. I wonder if if coaches are really getting into money so great. Are you getting into it for the money, or are you getting into it for the passion? Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's the maybe as we look at our profession, that might be the big thing I I concern myself with.
0: Seth, an intriguing aspect for me is over the next five or six years, we're going to see the exit of Izzo, Coach K, uh, Calipari, Roy Williams, Beheim, Bill Self. That's a huge uh, legacy uh, 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 void that's going to... And leadership and... Uh, a void that's going to be created over the next five or six years. Uh, talk to me about uh, 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 about how hard do you think, who's going to be the next generation of those guys? And are they going to be willing to uh, accept? Uh, be, are, uh, here's the thing. Uh, someone gave me a list of, of guys they thought, and my first thing is, let me ask you this, are they going to be courageous leaders?
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I think the next generation – think about the ACC, the transformation yeah. of the ACC. Oh, yeah. You got Patino, you got Bayheim you oh, got Roy right. Williams. I, got, yeah. I mean, yeah. you think about the group in that league and the transition that that league is going to go through in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. It's 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 crazy. You know, I, like, I look at Sean Miller. Mm-hmm. I think Sean Miller has what it takes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now, he's so consumed with coaching his team. Is he willing to be a voice of our sport? You know, is Mark Few willing to be the voice of our sport? You know, who are the next guys that literally are going to be the sounding board for the young coaches? Because, you know, that's really kind of what happens. You know, when, you know, I I remember working five-star when we saw what Rick Pitino was able to do from working five-star to becoming an assistant coach, becoming a head coach, and saying, you know what? I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. You know, and think about the number of lives you influence. People say, wait a second. See the, see the path Coach Raveling took. Mm. You know, I want to be like him. Mm. So you look at it and you go around the country and you go through these leagues and you say, all right, who who's gonna be the guy that other people wanna be like? And that that's a harder thing to, to mm. find. Mm. I mean, because you're right. I mean, whether you know, Tom Izzo, who grew up Judd Heathcote's assistant and got his opportunity, was ready for it. I mean, but if you look at like just the major conferences who's next in line at north carolina i don't know all right is greg marshall a guy that other people going to want to be like maybe i mean he's a terrific coach he's not afraid of a challenge mm. but he's in his own little cocoon right now mm. uh so you, as you go around the country it really is interesting to see who's that next generation because some of those guys are like brad stevens could have been one of those guys oh
0: he'd have been terrific
1: but you know, Brad Stevens is—he's not coming back. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, is Tom Crean one of those guys who's so maligned, but yet's done a terrific job? I mean, Shaka. Yeah, sh- Shaka. Without say shaka, shaka. Buzz. Buzz Williams.
0: Yeah, I, sh- sh-
1: I think Shaka more because Shaka, to me, he's got a, an infectiousness about him
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is touching others. Mm-hmm. You know, he, uh, you know. So, I mean, yeah, there there are guys out there, but. That's a big responsibility. That, that's a huge – I think that's a huge responsibility moving forward. And I think, you know, fortunately for, for us, you know, we, we've seen guys like yourself and, 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 and your generation of, of coaches that wanted to give back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't know how many guys really want to give back still.
0: Help our listeners have a broader perspective of this concept of one and done
1: you know you know to me in a perfect world a kid would be able to go out of high school i mean you know, a great pianist can go and play carnegie hall and a, you know a great actor can go and play on broadway and a great whatever can go and, and pursue and chase their dream obviously in sport there there are rules and regulations and player associations and everything else that's going on i to me i have no i think any kid who's in, on a college campus is better off a beaner and that that's just me i think that you know, when the time you spend on a college campus, the ability to be in a different environment, probably than you grew up in, to be in contact with people of all all races, all colors, uh, all economic backgrounds, to experience that, to play for a coach that's a mentor first, to travel to look, those are those are those are things that you have to be better off for having experienced. Here's where I have a problem, and and, and, and like, and I don't know what's going to happen at LSU. I, like, I have tremendous respect for John Calipari because his one and done guys always finish. They finish that year, so they're only three years away. And actually, when they get to summer school, they're probably only two and a half years away. Mm-hmm. And now that now that they're, they're entrenched in the program because they feel like they're invested in it. Mm-hmm. But when you're there and the semester ends and you're out, like, you know, to me that that showed a lack of respect. To for the institution, at, for the institution, one, right. and 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 the coaching staff, and and to me that that's that's where is a problem. When a kid is a basically he's, he's on rent for a semester, and and the start of the semester, that's not right. That's not good for the young person. It's not good for the institution. It's an embarrassment for the coaching staff. I mean, it really is. And that's why I have so much respect for John. You know, John's kids, they all finish, they all come back, they do have roots there. They feel like they're part of the program. Mm-hmm. They're not on rent. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, it's Kentucky's their program. And you can, you know, you know, look, I've been to enough of his fantasy camps and his combines to know that that it is a, a family environment. If kids are gonna do that, I think we you've if a kid's gonna be a one and done, I think the first thing he better go to a place he's gonna be coached hard. Right. I think too many times you get a one and done, not too many times. And you know, we learned something. Like I, I think Johnny would do it differently if he, if he had a chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. But I think, look, kids want to be coached. Kids want to be Absol- demanded. Absolutely. Kid, like you, they, you know, once you get them, don't enable them. Coach them. Whatever, how long they're going to be on your campus? Coach them. Demand of them. Hold them accountable. And I really think what happened with with Ben Simmons this year, he had no insulation. He had no insulation. Like, if those guys, if Ben Simmons goes to Kentucky or he goes to Duke or he goes to wherever, Carolina, he's insulated. It's Mm -hmm. not just him against the world. So when things don't go right, like think about Scal. Scal didn't get beat up, really. Right. Now, if, if, but because he's insulated and because he's not alone, he's not on an island. And, you know, to me, I have no problem with one and done. But I also think there's got to be some type of, I wouldn't say contract, but, uh, I think you got to coach those kids. You got to hold them accountable, and you got to make sure that one year, all right, is a year. And yeah. you say, well, they're going to be making millions of dollars, going to be lottery picks, yet. Yeah. But that experience and going through that, I think, is so valuable. People don't understand how valuable that is.
0: And that one year has is, is, is got to have a, a, a serious commitment to academics. Yeah. Not not a cursory uh, uh, mm-hmm. glance at it. Seth, let's take a hi- hypothetical. Uh, the president decides he's going to appoint uh, a basketball czar for college basketball, and he picks Seth Greenberg.
1: <laughs> if that happened— Bellis would be upset. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I, I like that. Uh, what are some of the immediate uh, actions you you, you would uh, uh, implement? Uh
1: I, I think that you know a couple things. I like I like what we've done with our rules. That's fine. I, I, I think I think the one thing that I think is is really important. I would try to create uh, an environment working with the MBA to say, wait a second, what we're doing. We, we've got to have a greater cooperation with with the NBA. We've almost got to be partners. Mm-hmm. And look, it, it's we're talking about a very minute percentage of of. Of players but you still have to create a partnership with basically we have a partnership with USA basketball now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like maybe use USA basketball to partner with the NBA to let, let's find out what's in the best interest of the game what's in best interest of participant to the game now I don't believe players should be paid that's where Billis and I would would have a difference I do believe in cost of attendance I do believe that we can do things for our athletes like uh, and this is this is an idea I had and you can do it very simply you can create funds where, like, say you do autograph signing programs at an institution. You do it twice a year. And everyone in the country has the same set cost of, the, uh, of what it's going to be. So it's universal across the board. That money then goes into a pool. So at the end of that person's college career, when that person graduates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, they get their percentage of that type of event. Mm-hmm. So that, you know... They're not getting paid, but there's a motivation to, if you graduate, boom, you get this. If you leave one and, one and done, you, you don't get that. Because I'll tell you what, Like, and this is where Billis and I disagree again. To me, college basketball is off-Broadway. It's off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When you're a great, talented, young actor, singer, whatever, you can play off-Broadway.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, you're only off-Broadway for about six months. And then, you know, as a basketball player, you get a chance to go on-Broadway. Mm-hmm. And that reward for on Broadway is significant. It's significant. And, and
0: growing.
1: And growing. Uh, so, I mean, I would try to find a way to <coughs> partner that. I would try to find a way, different ways to create revenue that upon completion each year of good academic standing, that the athlete would get a percentage of that back. Not just the best player. Mm-hmm. All players, mm-hmm. so, because I still am of the belief that there's a value to a college experience, mm-hmm. and I'll use use a perfect example, Coach. What does Villanova mean to you?
0: Uh, I've I've always said that the, the greatest influences in my life were my mom, my grandmother, uh, my 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 high school coach, and and then Villanova and Nike, and and uh, uh, particularly when you look at the time I went to 56 sure. to 60. Uh, that, that was a, a, a transformational moment for sure. me in, in my life. And I, I still, Seth, to this day, look back at my four years at Villanova, and, and the most unique thing about my four years at Villanova was never once did they ever treat me as an athlete. Every moment they always treated me as a student. And and, and and I used to kid my son. I said that Villanova was a naive institution. They thought when I came there that I came to get an education. And that was it. That's just how you treat Hey, if you showed up, you must want an education. And I can say this from the bottom of my heart. If I had a scholarship to Harvard right now or I had a scholarship to Villanova, I'd still go to Villanova because I love my four years yeah. there.
1: And that, and that place helped shape you. And, and like, I don't know, like, what is the value of that experience? It's got to have a value. And I understand, you know, Jay's point of view, and there's a legal side of it, but there's got to be a value of that experience, the rest of your life. That 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 decision impacted you the rest of. It. I don't know what the value is, but it impacted you, me at Fairleigh Dickinson, playing for Alabama, the re- you know, the rest of my life. So I, I think there's a value. There's a real value there. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I would, if I was the czar, I would, I would have a set criteria for seating, and I'd have a set criteria for the selection of the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. without a doubt, so that everyone knows in advance, all right, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And this is the most important because I really – the one, and I've coached at every level, Coach. You know, I was at the Long Beach States, and I've been at South Florida, so I've been like low to mid-majors, mid to mid-majors, and you know, a, a lower-level high major. So I, I, I've, I've run the gambit. And so I, I understand where everyone's coming from, but, like, I, I never understood, like, you play 18 games in the ACC. And then they the NCAA committee can say to you, well, well who did you choose to play? Well, if you play 18 games in the ACC and get your brains beat in, <laughs> all right? And then you go play, they say, well, who'd you play in non-conference schedule? Well, say, well, we played the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So that's 19. We played an exempt event. All right, that's 22. All right, and then we played one of the Made for TV game. That's 23. All right? And say one or two of those aren't really good, but they're 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 competitive games. Well, here's how many more games do you need to play. Yeah. You're playing 23 really tough competitive games. And you might get held out of the tournament cuz it, you it's who you chose to play those other nine games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet And I thought King Rice did an incredible job with his team. But people were trying to create an argument. Well, they had 17 road wins. And they didn't. It's hard to win on the road. But they had 15 of those against 275 or worse. Mm -hmm. Who's not winning those games? Right. So if I played those games, if I played 10 of those games, and I'm in the ACC, those games would count against me. Mm -hmm. So how can they count against me and for someone else? Mm -hmm. And I I just always had – you know, that and I've been at, at every single level. So I'd like to see a set criteria. And look, people say, well, you know, the the, the mid majors, low majors, it's not fair. Life's not fair. That's the league they're in. That's the that's the that's that's the company they chose to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, that that that's it is what it is. It's not fair, their budgets aren't fair either. You know, how the coaches travel isn't fair, mm-hmm. how they go mm-hmm. to road trips mm-hmm. isn't fair. Mm-hmm. I mean how their coaches travel in the summer isn't mm-hmm. fair. That's it is what it is. But uh, so I would like to see a set criteria so that everyone going in knows. All right, A, B, C, D. This is how we're selecting the field. If you're at uh, at large field, and this is how we're seeding the tournament. Because I, the one thing I had a problem with the NCAA tournament this year is how it was seated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I thought the seeding process was 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 just there was something something not there was something not right. And then you know I I do think we're doing a good job with with giving coaches more access, but I would like to see another dead period for coaches because I know when I when I was at Virginia Tech, you would go from the season to recruiting in April, to fundraising in May, to your camp in June, to recruiting in July, to kids having visits in 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 August, and then the kids were right back on your campus. And I think if we want the best of our coaches and the best of our players, I wonder one are we wearing our kids out? We're seeing more injuries. And number two, there's got to be a time to have coaches inherently don't have any balance. And the way the calendar is now, you really don't have time for any balance in your life. It's You're uh-huh. going at it 24-7, seven days a week, 12 months a year. And now with this fifth-year transfer rule and with at the high major level kids being able to put their name in a draft, I mean, in May you might be re-recruiting a team. <clears throat> so, like, you literally don't have any chance to unplug, plug back in, and reboot. So, I, I do think that there's a the, we got to find a couple of pockets where literally it's a dead period so that no one can get an advantage or disadvantage. Uh, I think that's that's important. And, I, and I, I actually, my last thing is I actually think there should be some type of accreditation program for coaches. Mm-hmm. Let, let's teach our young coaches how to be coaches. Uh, you know, and it could uh, – and, again, I don't know exactly. You know, like uh, doctors have to go to, you know, professional advancement programs all the time to keep their certification. I think th- – I, I don't think that wouldn't be a bad idea to have coaches, assistant coaches have to go to certain number of clinics or fresh, you know, personal growth. I mean, you started that program with your guys. Mm-hmm. How many years did you have the program with Coach Foster and and you guys did it? You we did your own we program. We actually
0: started that in the late seventies and just trying to help uh, each of us uh, assist each of us in personal growth. And that, Seb, you, you, you made me think of something in your in your remarks. It, and on the academic side of, of of the of the collegiate the collegiate world, what we have is is we have a system. For um, for tenure, should there be some point in the coach where a coach builds up enough equity that he or she has uh, 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 tenure? I, I
1: I don't I'm 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 not I, I don't think that because coaches also sign long term contracts. Coaches' salaries even now even at almost all levels are probably far greater than maybe um, professors on campus. I, I, th- I think that there are certain things that, you know, again, I, I, I can't speak on how professors get rated on the academic side. We're in a win-and-lose business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that your contracts, if your contract's guaranteed, that's your that's your security. And, you know, it's a performance-based profession, so you know, I, I'm not sure at, at the Division one level that that's a realistic goal. I don't, I don't think institutions, you know, you, you can 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 afford to do that uh, because a lot of the money that's generated is generated for winning and not just for having a team or a program. I think there's a big difference. I said this every place I've ever been, and you got to figure out how to do it. There's a difference between having a basketball team and a basketball program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like we look at what's going on in the women's game. And, like, what Gino's doing is forcing everyone to decide to have a basketball program at mm-hmm. the women's level, not a basketball team. Now, now Not everyone's going to have Gino or Emma, but Gino or Emma wasn't Gino or <coughs> Emma when he first went there. And, like, when, when I went to Virginia Tech, all right, we tried to find a way. We went from the Big East to the ACC, and w- it was a constant battle. We had maybe administration wanted to ba- Didn't understand what a basketball program was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an athletic director right now that understands that you've got to invest in a program. It's cost of doing business if you want to yeah. compete in the ACC. Does it, so I, my, my, my thing with that, Coach, is I, I don't think the tenure is an issue, but I do think that for a young coach, if you're looking to get a job, I think you got to find out what the expectation of that university is, and then you got to see if their, their expectation matches up with their commitment. Because mm-hmm. expectation without commitment is empty words. Mm-hmm. You know, expectation with commitment, then – you have the necessary resources, and then you have it's your job to to be successful and not be successful.
0: Okay. Early in our educational career, they used to give us tests and fill in the blanks. Uh-oh. So, so fill in the blanks. The five best basketball minds I've ever incurred.
1: Five best basketball minds I've ever incurred. Yubi Brown, without a doubt. I, I still remember sitting at five star basketball camp, mesmerized by. Uh, By UB Brown. Uh, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and it was just mind-boggling. And now still, when I listen to him on- on, He's
0: still mind-boggling.
1: He's still mind-boggling. He really is. I'd say probably two would be Larry Brown. Mm -hmm. I had the fortune when I was at Long Beach State. I'd go down and watch those practices at Loyola all the time. And I've never seen a guy where the ball, the game could go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. He'd stop, and he would know everything.
0: And that was what it was when the Clippers. Mm -hmm.
1: I'd go down three days a week, and Mm -hmm. I'd I'd bring my players down there, and he'd talk to the guys, and he was, I mean, he was, he was phenomenal. I mean, he really, really was, uh, as as a teacher, like you know, a different, a different way to to do things. I'd say Morgan Wooten. Uh, I I thought he was. I, I loved just being around him. I did his coaching clinic this this year, and I spent the day there. And uh, you know he struggles getting around a little bit. His mind, the two, and I'll I'll put these two guys together: Morgan Wooten and 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 and. Big Bobby Hurley.
0: So for those who, who might not know, Morgan Wooten is a uh, Hall of Fame uh, basketball coach mm-hmm. uh, and coached at DeMatha in, in Maryland for many, many years and, and, and coached an insurmountable number of NBA and All-American players.
1: Yeah, and Bobby Hurley the same. Uh, watching his practices at St. Anthony's, that coach totally different because Coach Wooten would do it in – in, in a certain way, Bobby Hurley, obviously coach at Saint Anthony's, he was driven and demanding and tough, and uh, but the practices were just—they were mind-boggling how good they were. I mean, um, I mean, it—it—it it, was—it was—it was phenomenal. I mean, just watching him get those kids to play so hard and. The attention to detail, I guess, I, it was probably something that just it kind of it kind of blew me away a little bit. Um, trying to think of of, of try to get well, one one that I have tremendous respect for and just uh, who hopefully is going to go in the Hall of Fame today, or is it today? I guess uh, do Mon- uh,
0: m- uh, Monday, g- I, g- I guess they're going to announce. Uh, yeah, you're right. Today they're going to announce. I think like, it's today. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I just, and maybe it's going to see, and I'm biased on all these things, but uh, is Tom Izzo. Uh, He's, I'll tell you the thing about Tom, and, you know, just, he's a great mind. He coaches his guys hard. He's probably a better person than he is a coach. Uh, He's literally probably the most genuine guy at that level in our game today where, like, you call Tom Izzo, you're going to get a call back. Like, I know it sounds silly, but, I mean, if you, you know, he he refuses to say no. You know, he'll always try to do the right thing. His teams play for him. You know, I I see – I'm big on relationships, you know, watching guys' relationships with their players. Um, Like, uh, Tom gave me a great story. After they played Minnesota, after his dad passed away, you know, he's – no one's harder on Matt Costello than he's been. And Matt Costello's family drove – from the Minnesota game to his dad's funeral. And to me, you know, that goes back to impacting lives. Like, there's more to coaching than just X's and O's. You know, think about the impact that – and, like, Tom would kill Matt Costello. I mean, yet I was right behind their bench when they beat Maryland when we were there for college game day, and the kid came off the court and picked them up. And, I mean, that was just – that was a cool moment, but watching Tom coach his team, his preparation, his attention to detail, um, how committed he is, uh, really a special, special, special coach. Um, and now I got to come up with a fifth one. I'll tell you who, has, who understands the business of college basketball better. You know what that is. Cal. Oh, yeah. No one. Coach, he's your protege. Cal- I, I hate to tell t- Wait a second. Wait a second. That's your protege now. No, he uh, is. He no, is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm
0: not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, oh, come I, on, coach. I, I, no, that's my man. He hang, I, I'm he a hang, Calipari hang, guy. He, he hangs I'm, on I'm, every I, word of yours. I'm a Calipari guy, and, and I don't. And I don't try to hide it. And uh, and it's nothing of recent origin. Uh, um, the first year John was at UMass. He called me up and he said, "Hey, Coach, can you come up uh, in preseason practice, spend a few days with us?" And I, I knew John back from Five stars. so John and I have a, a storied history together. And, and I, I apologize to nobody about my relationship with John Calipari.
1: And he hangs on every word. <laughs> well, he does. You know, he does. I mean, and, but you know, Coach. I mean, that's. But here's the thing, and we, we it, it kind of go full circle. We all need mentors. Yes, we all. I mean, like John Calipari needs a mentor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all need mentors, and and that's what and we were talking about before. Like, you've always given of your time, whether it's to Cal or my brother or myself or the thousands of people that you've mentored, whose lives you've changed. And it goes back to like I, I think I think the question you had was great. Where, where's the next group of mentors coming from? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a really big void in. In any profession, and for sure our profession. I mean, like, who do you pick up? I mean, from that, those monthly, uh, yearly clinics you did. We, because mm. I worked for Coach Foster, we started our own group. And, and we you guys uh, started. Jack, were you in the group? Furtick, Jack Furtick. When Furtick. you guys started, I'm a little disappointed. I thought Furtick was going to be here. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we had Jack and Larry Shiat and Ricky Birdsong, yes, and yeah. and I mean, we had a, we had a great group, of, and we did that for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years, where we, you know, and you know, we'd bring some people. as We learn from you guys. We'd bring different people in, different voices in, mm-hmm. to kind of give us a little guidance or, or hear another voice. And you know, you look at that and you say, yeah. "Is that going on now?"
0: Yeah. The answer is
1: no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that's a shame because I, I I still remember I was I don't know 24 years old when I first so worked for Coach Foster and. And he, you know, he told me about what you guys were doing mm-hmm. and, and, like, he'd sit and talk about, like, the impact. And he had all those notes. Yes. I mean, you know him. He was more organized than crime. And he had all those notes. And Larry worked for Coach Colson. Mm-hmm. So, like, Jack you know,
0: was, he, with, Jack you was with you.
1: And, like, we said, wow, what a great idea. Could we do something like this? Mm-hmm. And you guys, I mean, your group was unbelievable. Sonny Smith and, I mean, Gary, I mean, that, think about the diversity of that group. Del
0: Harris. Del
1: Harris, I mean, I yeah. mean, I mean, that.
0: Colson.
1: I mean, that, that, that but that was, and to me, that's what this Final Four used to be about. Think about how it, that's changed. Like, there used to be a great camaraderie within the profession. I'm not sure, and I don't want to sound like I'm old or anything, but I'm not sure that you have the same camaraderie. Of you guys and Kremins and Valvano and Coach Thompson and and like like every like I get a kick out of Coach like everyone thought Coach Thompson was like, like 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 he was so good to Brad when Brad was um, was scouting like he'd let him right into practice. I, the, my my favorite Coach Thompson story is he lets Brad into practice. He used to let no one into practice, mm-hmm. and he put a chair right set of court. Brad told me he said it's was the coolest thing that ever happened. He's wor- he was working with Coach lineham at the time, I think. And he's watching a couple of their players play, and a manager was standing in front of him. And, like, Coach just killed that man. He said, we invite the man into practice, and now he wants to, you know, he don't need to see the back of your head." <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's the way, you know, Coach was. But, I mean, our profession, I think, is missing that right now. It's just that I think – is, look, we, it's a great profession, it, but I think it, it really is missing that. And, you know, I never thought of it the way you just put it because, right? you know, you don't think of that special. I, we think about who who's the next great coaches mm-hmm. or what's going to happen to the game. And, look, we have good coaches. You know, we have good coaches mm-hmm. coming up. I mean, le- leagues have good young coaches. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it, I mean. But do we have the same – Personalities. Now, I guess you could say when Coach Thompson and Coach Massimino and Coach Carnesecca and you know we think of the Golden Age,
0: throw Dave Gavit in, Dave, Coach
1: Gavin. and but they begat you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and you almost wonder, like, all right, who did my generation begat? Mm-hmm. And that that that's an interesting thing. You know, I'm going to be 60 years old. I mean, like, so who 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 did who did we? Pass it the torch down to mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, well, I hope we're not all that, you know, we're not extinct or anything. But I mean, th- that that's a great, I'll tell you, that's a great question.
0: <laughs> so, Seth, how concerned uh, should college coaches be about the, what we're st- the early evidence we're starting to see about how? They are being evaluated and, 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 and what success means for now for a college coach. We're seeing guys more and more getting fired, 20-plus wins on numerous circumstances, 100% graduation rate, high-character guys on their team. In the, in the old days uh, they'd build a statue for you outside the arena today these guys are getting fired so so i, I guess where i get confused is uh, mr ad tell me what constitutes success i don't know if if, if any coaches out there to know understand what constitutes success
1: you know that's a great question because i look i'm just looking the mid major level this year Uh Coach Jeter at Wisconsin Milwaukee wins 21 games gets mm-hmm. let go. 21 games he gets let go. Billy Donovan Wright state mm-hmm. 20 plus games mm-hmm. gets let go. Mm-hmm. Matt Brady JMU 20 plus games mm-hmm. gets let go. Mm-hmm. I mean these are really good young coaches, mm-hmm. and you know what it comes down to? It comes down to one thing: it's making the tournament. If, mm-hmm. you're, if you're if you're if you're if you're a mid major coach, eventually. It, you got, you got to You've got to make the finals of your conference championship. You got to make the tournament. Twenty games isn't enough. And if you're a high major coach, one year buys you two. know, mm-hmm. yeah, And 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 the patience people have for I was just talking to someone this afternoon. The patience people had in terms of how you build a program. You know, if in year three, if you don't have it going on, you're, you're, man, year, year four is going to be. Don't you're done. Don't think about expanding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the – now, the, the salaries are greater. Uh, people are investing in facilities. You know, there are things are going on. But but it is – I think that's the biggest question someone's got to ask when they take a job. You know, what, are, what are our expectations? What are our resources? Define to me what success is here. So mm-hmm. we can be all – because what happens is, Coach, you know it, and you know, you've worked for a number of different athletic directors – I think the biggest problem is sometimes the athletic director and the head coach need to be connected at the hip. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is sometimes the head coach has a little bit of success, so he gets paid. And then you know what happens? In essence, the AD hired a good coach, so he he won and he got paid. But then all of a sudden he's making a, a large sum of money, and I think that then and he's popular. And I think unless it's a strong athletic director, the athletic director ends up jealous of the head coach instead of saying well i hired a really good guy we'll work together it becomes an almost an adversarial relationship mm-hmm. because the coach becomes in his own way he's not he isn't but he becomes in his own way more powerful too powerful whatever and it become it the, the relationship loses <sighs> its its substance now there's some like you know i looked at relationship the best programs the AD and the head coach are Always working together. They're mm-hmm. on the same team. They're each other's greatest allies. But you get an insecure athletic director and you get a strong personality head coach, and that is a Formula Four failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing. And then we're seeing these young, not younger, but the, 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 the mid majors, where I think that because we've seen everyone, VCU, and we've seen George Mason, and we've seen. Gonzaga and we've seen Butler everyone thinks everyone thinks why can't we beat him mm-hmm. why can't why can't we be George Mason why if I'm the, if I'm in the CAA? and why can't we be Butler if I was in the horizon and why can't we be Gonzaga I'm in the West Coast conference but those programs why can't be we Wichita <laughs> state well all the programs I just mentioned are high major programs and the commitments high major and the resources are high major, and the facilities high major, and the salaries are high major, and so it, that I think that's I think the unrealistic expectations in relation to commitment.
0: You know, it's, it's sometimes when you, st- you I stop and I reflect on on college athletics today, I, I think something that goes uh, uh, unnoticed, but it's a huge requirement in an, organi- uh, an athletic organizational structure, particularly today, is alignment. Uh, and what do I mean by that? There has to be an alignment between the president, the athletic director, and the coach. They've gotta be aligned in their, their mission, goals, visions, and strategies, and execution. And, and so often when you look at intercollegiate athletic programs, there's gaps between the president's point. office and the athletic director. There's gaps between the athletic director and the coach, and so now you have these three organizational structures that are not aligned in their mi- in their mission, goals, and strategies.
1: Coach, that is an unbelievable, great philosophy. And you know, that that's one of those things that, and I'm sure you do it, where that should be a conference to every leader. An athletic administrator and every president for you eliminate the coach because if you get the athletic director and the president and he hires the right coach and everyone's on the same page pulling in the same direction, it's no different than a team. <coughs> then you can have greater success. If any one of those is not pulling in the same direction, mm-hmm. that's that's one hundred percent. And yeah, you know, in a perfect world, I I, and I say as a head head basketball coach in a power five conference. Ideally, you work with the athletic director, you work for the president. Mm-hmm. And, I love that. And I think that the, the head coach has got to have – the athletic director has got to be strong enough not to be intimidated that the head coach would have a relationship with the president. You know, you've got to work with – every day you've got to be hand-in-hand hand with that athletic director. But you've also got to have – understand you work you work for the president think that's something that I think is really really important and I know if I ever coached again that's something that would be important to me to have a relationship with the president because I just think it's so valuable
0: last question what's next for Seth Greenberg
1: that's a good question coach uh, you know look I've got the I've got a great job and you know one thing and, and, and you know it so well your job's only as good as the people you work with hmm I work with great people. I mean, I can't. Uh, the producers, guys, our directors, uh, ha- look, have fun, man. Oh, Jay will. My, he's like the little brother I never wanted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jay Billis, our producers, our directors. Uh, the people at ESPN are. I can't say enough that it's such a great culture and such a great environment. You know, I, I wouldn't. I never say never. I would never lo- rule out coaching. Uh, It's been part of my life. It's part of my family's life. You know, you know when when you stop coaching, uh, you're not the only one stopping coaching. Mm -hmm. Your wife stops coaching. Mm -hmm. You know your kids who Mm -hmm. grew up with it. Mm -hmm. You know stop coaching. They stop. And your mom stops coaching. And my (laughs) mom, of course. Well, you know she (laughs) never stops coaching. Uh, But uh, so you never say never. I mean, I think it would have to be a bold athletic director Mm -hmm. to hire me um, at a at a high level. but a wise one, probably. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I look, I did it for 36 years. I'm very co- proud of what I accomplished. My last nine years at Virginia Tech, we graduated every single player that walked through that door. Uh, we, with the fifth a third winningest program in the ACC over a five year period, we, we won at Allen Fieldhouse. We won at the Dean Dome. We won at Cameron Indoor. We won at the Comcast Center. We beat. Wake when they were number one, Carolina when they were number one, Duke when they were number one, Kansas when they were number one. I'm proud of what we've been able to do, and if something happens, it happens. If not, you know what, i got a great gig, and I'm very fortunate, and I've got great friends and uh, great mentors like yourself that have been supportive, and, you know, we love the guy.
0: Seth Greenberg, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and to our podcast listeners i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did i hope you learned as much as i did so thanks a